Yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations. Got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the cloth and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks, and let's go. I want to give a shout-out to Progressive G. I see you here in the chat. What up? Welcome in, everybody. Thank you all for joining us today. And, Calvin, happy hump day. Happy Hump day. C, B, and G. We're all here. C, B, and G. Or is he PG? PG. Oh. PG, C, B. PG. What number do a. you wear? You, not PG-13, but whatever <laughs> number you wear, Progressive G. We got a fun show for you guys today, so make sure you guys stick around to the end. We're going to be talking about Rasheed Wallace, Jackson Hayes, Taylor Jenkins. We're going to be rebuilding four teams from the Eastern Conference. One of these teams actually made the playoffs this year. Uh, we're going to be talking about a preview of tomorrow's game. And also a heads up for you guys, we will not be live tomorrow. Before the game, we will be live after the game. We're going to be trying out some new stuff and see if you guys like us doing post-game. And then we're going to end the show, as always, with Q&A. So welcome in. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Calvin, let's go for it. You let's ready? Let's go for it. We're going back to our roots tomorrow with the post-game. Yes, so. yes, back to the roots. All right, so Rashid Wallace is in the news today, petitioning the NBA to Kinda. overturn 50 <laughs> of his technical fouls, citing the Draymond Green rule. Apparently, Rashid Wallace is trying to uh, get back lost earnings due to uh, games missed, due to penalties, fines, stuff like that. Of course, this is a big joke. Uh, but Calvin, what are your thoughts on seeing something like this? My thoughts are it's laugh out loud funny. Whether it's true or not, it's hysterical. If it really is true, it's not. Then yeah, <laughs> I don't think it is. But if it actually is true, I, I've Rashid Wallace's rising stock in my favorite players because I think yeah. it's hilarious that he's doing something like this. And I got to give props to the Celtics for or whoever wrote this article beat writer well, i don't even know where you found this celticslife.com celticslife.com hats off to you guys it's funny it's really really funny i mean he's got he's got something to say here i mean like you're watching draymond green and and we can't forget she'd finished his career with the celtics so we know probably who he's rooting for here in the nba finals even though he's now employed by the lakers yeah the dude made a ton of, uh, or actually lost a ton of money due to all these technicals. Now he's seeing Draymond Green get away with pretty much anything that he wants here. Uh, I thought it was an interesting article to read. It, it's it's definitely funny. Definitely funny. What's up, Matthew? Good to see you. Yeah, we are here. 
uh, we're here today. But tomorrow, like I said, will be post-game. But uh, interesting article. Yeah, hats off to them. Rashid Wallace back in the news. Funny. I also thought this was funny because we've been talking about all the missed free throws by the Golden State Warriors. Rashid Wallace would probably be like, the ball don't lie. <laughs> I don't know. Funny, funny stuff. <clears throat> all right, what's going on with Jackson Hayes, Cal? Uh, yeah, Jackson Hayes is back in the news, uh, not for anything that he's doing on the basketball court. I forgot all about his off-the-court troubles from a year ago until I read this article. If you don't remember, back in July of 2021, Hayes was arrested uh, when police responded to a 3 a.m. Dis- uh, domestic disturbance call in the Los Angeles area. He was sentenced, uh, I don't know if it was today or sometime this week, but he got sentenced to, or sorry, on Tuesday, to three years of probation, 450 hours of community service, and a year's worth of weekly domestic violence classes for a scuffle with officers back in July of 2021. Um, He is also being ordered to pay yet determined restitution, said the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office spokesperson. Barry, is this a big deal, no deal? (laughs) Um, What is a scuffle with officers? I don't know. It could be anything. I think the video is still out there if you want to look it up. I saw the video originally. I'm trying to remember it, and I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, dude's going to be in trouble. Right? This doesn't sound like a lot. No, it doesn't sound like a lot at all. 450 hours of community service. You think uh, this is the same sort of thing we're going to be talking about with Montrez Harrell in a couple months? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, in my mind, what Jackson Hayes did here was way more serious. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, laws are laws, I guess, and, and we'll see. And good lawyers are which, good lawyers. Yeah, we'll see which way they, they actually take this. Very, very light sentence, and I expect to see Jackson Hayes all over the NBA Cares commercials this year <laughs> and next year with all this community service. Do you know if the NBA, like, I feel like we don't really see it as much now, but maybe like five, ten years ago, those NBA Cares commercials were on all the time, Oh, right? always, yeah. And I would always think to myself, like, so if you're an NBA player, do you have to do, like, a certain amount of community service? Like, is it part of your NBA contract that I you believe go and it help is. out? I believe it is. So I wonder if he can double dip here and do his NBA community service and his uh, state-ordered community service at the same time. Perhaps. I'm sure the NBA would be willing to work with him on that. He's going to have to do more of it either yep. way now. So, um, But, yeah, it, it's I, – I don't really see it as being that big of a deal. I mean, the guy's only 22 years old. Yeah, he'll be um, fine. He'll he, be he's fine. going to be fine. Hopefully yeah. he learns he needs, from He needs this. to worry about becoming important. a better basketball player for yeah. <laughs> first and The most important thing is he needs to learn from this and make yeah. sure that this does not ever happen again. Right. Uh, and wrong place, wrong time sort of thing. Make sure, you yeah. know, what does Herm Edwards say? Nothing good <laughs> happens after midnight. <laughs> Hey, there's a lot of good things that happen after midnight. <laughs> I, I can vouch for that 100%. You mentioned um, Montrez Harrell. Someone yesterday mentioned to me it was it was interesting, uh, you know, Montrez's ex-teammate, KCP, with the Lakers and with the Wizards, they were traded together, was dealing with a similar thing, right, when he was with the Lakers. And uh, I think he couldn't leave the state, right? So he was only he was allowed to only play allowed home to play games. games in California. Yeah, I think that was from a DUI. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. 
So maybe we'll see something similar with, with some of these other guys. I'm not quite sure. Next up, Jackson Hayes signs an extension. Calvin, go for it. Taylor Jenkins. Or sorry, right? I think did I say Jackson Hayes? <laughs> Taylor Jenkins. Jackson Hayes wishes he signed a, an extension. Taylor, Taylor Jenkins, Jenkins, one of the youngest, hottest young coaches in the NBA with one of the hottest young teams in the NBA, the Memphis Grizzlies, has agreed on Monday, the Grizzlies announced to a multi-year contract extension. The terms have not been disclosed yet. I think this is a no-brainer. You know, it's almost not even worth reporting at this point. Like, the Grizzlies are are one of the, the uh, best up-and-coming teams in the league. They expect to compete for a long time, and Taylor Jenkins is a, a really good young coach. The Grizzlies are 128-99 and 99 in the three seasons under Taylor Jenkins, including a franchise record 56 and 26 record this season. And he's only <clears throat> 37 years old, which is yes. quite crazy. Uh, you know, we talked about the Memphis Grizzlies owner being only 44. Your head coach is 37. Would you say the GM was like in his 30s? I thought he was, but it, he bought the team when he was 34, I guess. Yeah. Oh, the GM. How old is the GM? Oh, the GM is really young, too. I forget how old he is. He's, he's like 37 or 38, I want to say. And then I think their team is the youngest team. It's the second in the youngest NBA, maybe uh, by average City. roster, I think. Yeah, right right behind Oklahoma City. Interesting. They're so like 24 years. Average age is 24 years Wow. on the team. They And you include the owner, the head coach, and the GM, and that probably jumps them up yeah. to like 26 <laughs> right? or 27, which is crazy yeah this franchise is set for a long time uh, assuming they're going to be willing to spend some money and keep these guys together but they're <laughs> they are definitely on the right path what's up patrick good to see you here matthew uh yes we uh, did not draft anyone yet we still have a, a little bit over a week until the nba draft which is going to be exciting make sure you guys join us for that we will be live a lot of fun there all right, Calvin, anything else to mention in NBA news before we jump here into our four-team rebuild? And then we're going to finish up the show with Thursday preview and Q&A. But anything else to mention in NBA news? I don't have much. All right. So let's, let's start some rebuilds. Uh, over the past couple weeks, Calvin and I have been kind of handling four different teams at a time, looking at the roster looking at the starters, looking at the salary cap and what their draft picks are and kind of helping craft a plan for them this offseason on what they can do to either make it to the playoffs, return to the playoffs, or just overall improve their roster to be set up better for next season, whether it's talent-wise or financial-wise. Today, we're doing four teams. The New York Knicks, the Charlotte Hornets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Atlanta Hawks. Only one of these teams made the playoffs last season. That was the Atlanta Hawks. However, three of these teams were in the play-in tournament. The Knicks were the only ones that were not available at all. They currently have the 11th pick in this year's NBA draft. Calvin, let's talk about the New York Knicks what they can do this offseason to rebuild this team. They had an amazing season last year, a ton of success. Uh, Knicks fans were thinking, wow, we're on the up and up. We fixed it all. We brought in a, a, a hard-headed coach, some good young players. We're going to be in the playoffs every single year now for the next <laughs> decade. 
That unfortunately did not happen. They finished Dad, last Dad, year. Dad, I know you didn't think that. <laughs> with a 37 and 45 record. Just here to uh, give some context. According to ESPN, this is the Knicks depth chart as far as starters. They have Alec Burks starting at the point guard. I think this is due to the Derrick Rose injury. Evan Fournier, don't Google, is the starting shooting guard. <laughs> RJ Barrett is. Uh, is uh, holding down the three position, Julius Randle at the four, and Mitchell Robinson is the starting center on this team. As far as uh, financials go, Julius Randle is just starting a four-year contract extension, making $23 million next year. Evan Fournier's got three years left after this season on his deal. Derek Rose has two years left. Alex Burks uh, and Nerlens Noel have two years as well. All of those are team options on the last year. And then you have guys like Kemba Walker, Taj Gibson, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, all entering the final year of their deal. Of course, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and some of these other younger guys are under, or they uh, their team has their bird rights, so they can re-sign them. They are restricted free agents. And then you have guys like Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quigley that are free agents the year afterwards. They also have the 11th pick in the draft. But, Calvin, I want to hear from you. What do the New York Knicks need to do to improve next season? Man, that's a really tough question. This team, to me, is at such a crossroads, especially when you take into account all the news that you hear about the, the Knicks for this offseason, and particularly the draft. They're one of the, the uh, most talked about teams as a team that's trying to move up into the top, uh, you know, probably seven, five to seven picks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've heard rumors about them trying to trade into a few different spots. Indiana at six has been mentioned a lot. Uh, the Kings have recently be, been mentioned at four. And what it seems most likely for them to, to move into that spot would be to, to deal Julius Randle. If that's the case, then that sounds like a team that's going back into a rebuild mode to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at their... Uh, you know, core group of players, they're all really young. Barrett is 22, uh, Quickly is 22, even Julius Randle's only 27. They got Cam Reddish, who's 22, Mitchell Robinson is 24. So th- they've got some nice young pieces here, but in terms of how do they get back to that, uh, you know, top tier, top four seeds in the Eastern Conference playoffs, that's, you're looking pretty far up now. The Eastern Conference has really strengthened itself over the past year or so. Um, so if that's the move, then then it seems like you're going more towards a rebuild. They've been rumored to, to be into Jaden Ivey a lot, as a lot of teams are. Um, if it were me, <clears throat> I would be looking at um, trying to move into pick six mm-hmm. for Indiana. I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot. I know he's had some injury issues over the past couple of years. But I, I think that this team needs, A, a true point guard. Yep. The Kemba Walker experiment failed. Um, Emmanuel quickly, I think, has a lot of things to, to like about him, but I'm not sure that he's really a true point guard. He seems to be more of an off-ball combo guard to me. So I would try to bring in a veteran player who, like Brogdon, is a good outside shooter. I think this team needs more shooting overall. I like how solid of a defender he is. I think they need to get better defensively. And if you are trying to move up, you could still end up, um, you know, with pick six, you could take a guy like uh, Dyson Daniels maybe, or even take a big swing at a guy like Shaden Sharp, 
I know they have a bunch of wings already, um, but if you're going to trade your best player and move up in the draft, it seems to me like you're heading more towards the rebuild stage. And if I've already got somebody like R.J. Barrett, then I think taking a, a reach on someone in the draft like Shaden Sharp makes a lot of sense um, because you could play perhaps Sharp at the two guard and yep. Barrett at the three eventually. And if you really want to take the step into the new NBA of playing small ball, you know, you could play Cam Reddish out there maybe at the four if he's able to progress a little bit more as well. And I, I like the start of that, especially if you add Malcolm Brogdon at point guard and keep Mitchell Robinson at the center spot. So the, this team's tough, though, because I feel like they're, they are at a crossroads here. I don't, I don't necessarily see a deal that they can make for a win-now player, though, that's going to get them back in that top four seeds. Uh, so I like going the route of trying to move up in the draft here. Yeah, I, I'm taking the opposite path here. I think they need to stay out of the draft. I, I don't know whether it's trading pick number 11 for a player that can help contribute now or maybe just staying at 11 and picking the best available at that point. But I agree with you. That signals a rebuild if you're moving up in the draft, if you're getting rid of Julius Randle. I have no idea why this team has been talking about getting rid of Julius Randle the past two seasons. The dude has been absolutely incredible. He averaged 20 points and 10 rebounds last year. Yes, it was uh, a down year for him shooting percentage-wise, but the dude is only 27 years old. You have him locked up on a very reasonable contract for the next four seasons. I think you got to hold on to Julius Randle. I think you got to re-sign Mitchell Robinson. And you just have to let some of these young guys grow up. Like Cam Reddish, you just traded for him. I think he's a bright young player that has a lot of potential. I love R.J. Barrett. I like Obi Toppin. I think this team just needs to, you know, hit the brakes a little bit. They need to let some of these younger guys develop, and they need to bring in some more win-now players, which I know you mentioned is, is difficult, but uh, this team could have some cap space. I think they need to figure out what they're doing with Evan Fournier, what's going on with Derrick Rose, Alex Burks. Kemba Walker. These are all guys that have just a few years left on their deal. Fournier's got three years left, and the last year is a $20 million player option. I'm not sure if he's the future of this team. He is yeah, 29, and he's had some success here in New York. But if I'm the Knicks, I'm basically keeping Randall. I'm keeping Barrett, Toppin, Reddish, Quigley, and Robinson, and I'm just trying to flush out all the guys I don't feel that fit this team or make too much money, and I'm just trying to add more talent the offseason. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I just don't, for the free agent class that's available, and when I think about what the this team needs most, they need a big-time point guard. Yeah. Somebody like a Damian Lillard. Um, Kemba Walker. Those, well, Kemba Walker from, you know, five years ago, yes. But... Those types of players just aren't available right now, mm -hmm. at least not in my opinion, especially when I look at this roster. I mean, you're probably going to have to deal Julius Randle and two or three other players to get a, a somebody of Damian Lillard's caliber anyway. So I, I'm, I'm not really sure that this is the, the offseason where they can add talent to compete with the other top six teams in the Eastern Conference. And... While it does signal a rebuild maybe to jump into the top six of the draft, I like 
the the core of this team. They're, yeah. they're farther ahead of what a normal rebuilding team would be if you moved into the top 10 here. You still have R.J. Barrett. You still have Cam Reddish. If you're able to bring back a player like Malcolm Brogdon, you know, something, somebody of that caliber, you're, you're setting yourself up for a quicker rebuild than I think most teams would be. Um, and, and I also think that this team overachieved two years ago when they were the four seed. They're getting older. You know, they're still trying to hang on to some of these guys like Taj Gibson and Derrick Rose who have been productive for them. But how much longer can you really count on those guys for big minutes, you know, 25 to 30 minutes in some cases? We know Tibbs loves to play those guys for sure. So I would try to go out and get another nice young talent in this draft uh, while adding a veteran player that's a good shooter and a good defender. That, that would be my primary goal this offseason for them. You're not going to like my idea here because you just <laughs> threw out good shooter. But what do you think about Russell Westbrook joining the New York Knicks? Because you mentioned they need a point guard. He is going to opt in for the last year of his contract next year, which is like $45 million. Yeah. So you could make a move for him, and then if it works out, you know, you have Russell Westbrook. If it doesn't, he's expiring at the end of the year, and you moved off of almost $50 million. I'm considering a trade of Evan Fournier, Derrick Rose, Alec Burks, and Kemba Walker straight up for Russell Westbrook. You think the Lakers actually do that? I mean, if, they, if they're serious to move on from Russell Westbrook, they get two starting quality point guards, two shooting guards that can actually shoot and space the floor and help out LeBron James. If, if the Lakers want to move on from Russell Westbrook and they're not getting any better deals, this brings in four contributors to that, contributors to that team. And uh, I like this deal for the Knicks a lot as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, yeah, if, I think if you could pull off that type of deal, um, it would benefit the Knicks more than the Lakers, mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not... Not a hundred percent sold on that. I I don't know what Russell Westbrook's deal is. I I, f I really find it hard to read him at this point in his career. Yeah, I, I just think that he's the the shooting is such a liability when you add the turnovers, the f the free throw percentage, all of that stuff for a team that like New York that's trying to learn how to win basically. Um, I don't know that that sets them up better. I, I would almost rather them go after, if I'm the Knicks, I would rather go after Kyrie Irving than Russell Westbrook. Do you think Thibodeau could get the best out of Russell Westbrook? Or do you think that there is a, a coach in the league that could get the most out of Russell Westbrook? Because we saw him traded to Washington, yeah. right, with his old coach, Scott Brooks, who Westbrook arguably played his best basketball under in Oklahoma City. I feel like a guy like Thibodeau could definitely get Westbrook in shape. Not that he's out of shape, but I mean in, in basketball shape in, uh, and just play team ball. Maybe. I don't know. I, that's a, a tough question to answer. I just don't have enough insight into to Russell Westbrook's mind frame right now. Like, yeah. you know, Frank Vogel is supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. True. You know, True. Right? And uh, they seem to clash a lot. So, there, or at least that's what's being reported. I, you know, I don't know for sure, but do you think a starting lineup of Russell Westbrook, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Ob Toppin, and Mitchell Robinson makes the playoffs next season? 
Say that one more time. Russell Westbrook, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson. Playing at best, I Playing. would say. Okay. And that's an improvement from this season. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the – what is available for them at pick 11? Because if you can hold on to that pick, pick up a guy, make one of these moves to clear some salary and maybe add a guy like Russell Westbrook, I, I honestly feel like that could be the best way to help fix this Knicks team. Calvin and I are going to be diving a little bit deeper in a couple weeks. We're going to be doing NBA 2K rebuilds. I don't know how realistic those really are, but we'll try to keep it as realistic as we can. But we'll do one of the New York Knicks, so make sure you guys stay tuned and tune in uh, for that. Calvin, any other thoughts on the Knicks offseason before we move on here? Um, yeah, I would try try to balance out this roster. Like they're, They've got a ton of really young guys and a ton, mostly wings and guards, and then their front court is like, the three wise men, you know, you got Tosh Gibson at 36. It's amazing to me that Nerlens Noel is only 28 years old, right? But um, he's up there too. Derrick Rose is 33. I know he's not a, a forward, but I, I think they need to, in terms of the veterans, try to bring in some some new faces to this team um, that are going to contribute a little bit more on the front court than guys like Tosh Gibson and Nerlens Noel are at this point in their careers. Yeah, yeah. I agree. If you are a Knicks fan, make sure you hit that like button down below. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Calvin and I cover the Knicks and all the teams in the NBA. We will continue uh, this offseason and into next season. So please make sure you subscribe to the channel. And thank you guys for watching. All right, Calvin, let's move on here to the Charlotte Hornets. They finished last season 43 wins, 39 losses. Uh, it's tough for them in the East. They were above 500. They still missed the playoffs after losing in the play-in tournament. They have two picks in this year's NBA draft, pick 13 and pick 15. Uh, let's go over the depth chart real quick and some of the salary cap implications, and then we can talk about what this team can do to improve this offseason. So first off, the starting point guard, LaMelo Ball. Shooting guard, Terry Rozier, Scary Terry. Gordon Hayward pulls in at the three, Miles Bridges at the four, and Mason Plumley at the five. Uh, looking at this team's salary cap situation, they do have some space uh, this offseason. Gordon Hayward is locked up for two more years, $30 million and $31 million. Terry Rozier is starting the first year of a four-year contract extension. Kelly Oubre is partially guaranteed. Montrezl Harrell is off the books. LaMelo Ball is still on his rookie-scale contract. Mason Plumlee, one year left. Miles Bridges is a restricted free agent this offseason. P.J. Washington has one more year. James Booknight and Kai Jones are both entering in year two of their rookie contracts. <clears throat> Cody Martin is a free agent. And uh, Jalen McDaniels, uh, Nick Richards are both uh, partially guaranteed contracts for next season. So, Calvin, what do you do if you are Michael Jordan and the Charlotte <laughs> Hornets to get back to the playoffs next season. Well, again, this team's kind of like a tweener team to me, right? Because they're they're super young, um, and they're a high-paced, high-flying offensive team. They score a ton of points. They've got a lot of really nice pieces. So if you're looking at what to do with this team, I think you have to um, try to determine whether you're trying to win 
I wouldn't say win now, um, but like, you know, increase or, or decrease the amount of time it takes to get to winning. Um, how much, how much time are you willing to wait? Right? Like is my main point. You've got LaMelo who's 20. Um, they need to figure out what they're doing with miles bridges. Are they going to resign him? He's only 24. Uh, James Booknight, their first round pick last year is 21. Like they've got a ton of really, really young players. Jalen McDaniels is 24. So are, are you going to just kind of hope that these guys continue to take the next steps and develop and let this team just kind of play out the way that it is? Or are you going to try to make a big splash, a big deal, grab somebody like say a DeAndre Ayton mm-hmm. in a sign and trade mm-hmm. that accelerates how quickly you you become a good team or a winning team. Um, I think the biggest hole that this team has had for uh, really ever since they've gotten LaMelo Ball, they want a big-time pick-and-roll center, a lob threat to pair with him. They've tried a few different people there. Montrez Harrell is the most recent one, which is not a bad pair, I think. Um, we'll have to see what happens with Montrez Harrell's legal issues leading up to the start of next season. And he is a free agent. And he is a free agent as well. But that's, I think, it, the one position where if you were going to ask me, where does this team improve the most? It's at the center position, finding a big man to play alongside with LaMelo Ball in that pick and roll game as a lob threat. The rest of the team, you know, I, I would try to move on from Gordon Hayward's contract. I, I just don't think he's productive enough to live up to that money anymore. Yeah. Um, and you've already got a guy waiting in the wings, basically, in, in Miles Bridges, who you could re-sign for that same amount of money, pretty much, if you let him go. From there, it's all about, you know, player progression. Is James Booknight going to be ready to be a starting two-guard in this league next season, come training camp? You know, how much better is LaMelo, Mall, LaMelo Ball going to be? And then the biggest area where this team can improve as a team is defense, right? Yep. Like, they were one of the best scoring teams in the league, but they allowed the, the uh, I, I forget what number they were in there, but they were at the bottom of the NBA in points allowed per game pretty much all season long. Um, they, they couldn't stop anybody. So they hired Kenny Atkinson, who's a good player developer for a head coach. He's a defensive-minded guy. Hopefully he can get this team to, to play better defense next season. Um, and I would definitely look to to see if I could go out and grab a starting center. If not, I can rely on the draft, I think. You're probably not going to find a guy who's a day-one starter, but Mark Williams, he's projected uh, center from Duke, yeah, he, yep. he is probably the leading candidate for where they would be picking in the draft right now, somebody that they could, you know, hope progresses and builds as a great rim protector, would work well in, in the pick-and-roll game with LaMelo Ball if I can't get somebody like a DeAndre Ayton. Um, and then I'm hoping that Kenny Atkinson makes this team better on defense. Yep. I'm getting rid of Gordon Hayward, and I'm, I'm letting the, the young guys progress on this team. Yeah, all, all good moves there. Uh, you know, just the addition of Kenny Atkinson is going to help this team a lot. But I think you nailed it right on the head. This team needs a center, and they need to play some defense. Yeah. I mean, just looking at this roster, you have two guys that averaged 20 points a game last season, a guy that averaged 19 points, and two guys that averaged 15 points. This team can score. They just can't play defense. Uh, You know, I'm looking at a guy like Terry Rozier, who's just starting a new four-year contract extension. The dude's undersized. 
but he's played exceptionally well. I think he filled the void that was Malik Monk, and Malik Monk's played exceptionally well in L.A. as well. Um, but Terry Rozier had an amazing season this year uh, with them. But I think you're right. you got to figure out what you're doing with Gordon Hayward. The dude's 32. He's had some serious injuries. He's making 60 almost $62 million over the next two years, which is Crazy. a ton of money. Uh, and then the second need is Miles Bridges. This guy is a free agent. He's restricted. They need to do whatever they can to hold on to this guy. He has been an exceptional player, and I think he's the key to the future for them outside of a guy like LaMelo Ball. Um, and then you're right, the center position, whether it's bringing one in in free agency, whether it's trading for a guy like Rashawn Holmes or Rudy Gobert um, or drafting a guy like Mark Williams, they need to figure out what exactly they're going to do with that center position. But I like this roster. I think it's very well balanced as far as salary cap goes. Yes, I don't like the contract for Hayward or for Rozier. But other than that, you're not spending a lot of money on on many of these guys. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Would you consider maybe a, a Hayward and Ubre or, or a Hayward and Plumley for Gobert trade? Oh, I would definitely do that if I was the Hornets, but yeah. there's no way Utah's doing that deal. What if it, you throw in one or all, two of those picks? Everything I've heard from uh, you know anonymous GMs around the league is that the asking price right now for Rudy Gobert is absolutely astronomical. I mean, it's like three or more picks, first-round picks, plus a young player, plus a, a win-now player. Okay. Like it, they're, and it, I mean, if you're Utah, it makes sense, right? Like, yeah, you still got Donovan Mitchell. You were the number one seed in the Western Conference a couple years ago. You're trying to maximize this and, and be competitive still. But th there isn't a team in the league that is going to trade that for Rudy Gobert, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Since I think he's the, making $40 million. I think the asking price will definitely come, come down. But the fact that they have two first-round picks this year, uh, and they can give a win-now player in Gordon Hayward who would be returning to the Jazz, so that might be a feel-good story. And maybe they, they can throw a young guy in here like a P.J. Washington that had a, a, a pretty good year. Um, I, I forgot to mention James Booknight is on here, Kai Jones. These are young guys that I'm high on and I think have, have a lot of potential. Um, but, yeah, this roster, they basically just need to figure out center, defense, and re-signing Miles Bridges is the key to me. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I I'm I'm really stoked on. I, I like the idea of trading for Rudy Gobert for this team. I mean that that helps them in a lot of a lot of areas. I think he and <clears throat> Lamelo could could work well together uh, in the pick and roll game. And, and Lamelo is really the key to this team, right? If if we're being honest, you know. Yep. It, he's the third pick in the draft, or was third pick in the draft. Um, he he's the the star of this team, um, if he can, if Michael Jordan can get through to him on how to be the number one option on this team and how to actually play defense, like Lamelo has abilities and, and talent offensively that very few people do, especially for a guy his size. I, I mean, I don't like his shooting form, but he's still a, actually a decent shooter or has become a decent shooter. Yep. If he can ever figure out how to play defense and lead a team. I mean, th even if they didn't add anybody to this team, they would automatically make a huge stride just from that alone. Yeah, I agree. 
If you're a Hornets fan, make sure you hit that like button and make sure you subscribe to the channel. Calvin and I will be discussing the Hornets this entire offseason. And if you have any comments or, or thoughts on what you think the team needs to do, let us know down below uh, in the comments. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, I see here in the chat, uh, Steven is asking about NBA free agency. I think it's official the league year starts July 1st, but I don't think free agency is until August. Uh, let me just double check here. You know off the top of your head, Calvin? Um, I always thought free agency started July 1st. Oh, yes. The, the moratorium period starts July 1st, and then July 6th is the first official day where you can <coughs> sign players. What was I thinking August here? I don't know. I don't know. I'm crazy. Oh, yeah, I agree with Progressive G here, too. I, I still think Rashawn Holmes would be a good fit in Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, he'd I, be. I think he, that would work well. I think he'd be a great fit. All right, next up is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They finished 44-38 and 38 last year after an extremely hot start. Unfortunately, they did miss uh, the playoffs after losing in the play-in. Calvin, let's talk about what they can do to improve this offseason and get back to the NBA playoffs and potentially get back to the NBA finals. According to ESPN, their starting depth chart is Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. That's a pretty, pretty good looking lineup. As far as a salary cap goes, Kevin Love, he's still on the team, dude. He's entering in the last year of his deal at $28.9 million. Jared Allen is, uh, has four years left on his contract. Karis LeVert is entering in the last year of his deal at $18 million. Laurie Markkinen's got three years left. Evan Mobley has three as well. Uh, Chetty Osman, two years left for him. Same with Isaac Okoro. Darius Garland's got one year left on his rookie-scale deal. Uh, the same as Dylan uh, Windler and Dean Wade. And then you have guys like Colin Sexton, who's expiring but a restricted free agent. Ed Davis, Rajon Rondo also expiring. So, Calvin, I want to hear from you. What do the Cavs need to do to improve this offseason? I love this team. I love where they're at right now. I think they've done a phenomenal job of rebuilding since LeBron James left them once again. Uh, the Jared Allen trade was huge. Yeah. I love Darius Garland. I love Karis LeVert. Uh, I think they've got a ton of really, really good pieces. I haven't even mentioned Evan Mobley, um, who was your favorite player in the draft last year. This team's in a great spot. They're young. They're good. Yeah. Like, they're not just a young team that's still, like, trying to figure things out. They play defense. They got a small, small taste of the playoffs this year. I, I realize they didn't actually make the real playoffs, but they got a very small taste of it this year in the play-in. Won one game and lost another. Um, and so like, I, I really wouldn't do too much with this roster. I, I love the way that they've put it together. I think they've got a really good balance of shooting. Uh, most of their sh your shooters are big men shooters too, right? Like mm -hmm. a lot of their Huge guards, team. Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert's a pretty decent shooter, but Isaac Okoro isn't, isn't known for outside shooting. To me, the, the one area where you tweak this roster is what can I get for Colin Sexton? Yeah which still kind of amazes me that the, that they're in that boat. Like, I, I don't know I'm what happened I'm not with, in that boat. with that backcourt. I thought that was a great backcourt to have set with Garland Sexland. and Sexton. Yeah. yeah, 
Great, great nickname too, right? But now clearly they're moving away from that because you've brought in Karis Levert. Uh, you drafted Isaac Okoro, who could play the three, but I think he's probably better suited at the two. And he's a good defender, really, really good defender. So I like the the veterans they've got on this team. Rondo's contract is expiring, yes? Yes. I would try to bring him back. I love him as a backup point guard for this team, a veteran, somebody that's really good for Darius Garland to learn from. Um, and yeah, it's what am I going to, what is out there on the market for Colin Sexton? Yeah. Yeah. This team, uh, we also forgot to mention, they do have the 14th pick in this year's NBA draft. I'm in the same boat as Calvin in terms of, I absolutely love this roster and what they've done with this team. They have a ton of young talent. They have some cap space. Uh, I think they've done an incredible job here. Um, for me, I'm not in the boat of getting rid of Colin Sexton. I'm just not. I, I like this dude. Yes, he had an injury last season. I think he's played incredibly well. I think him and Darius Garland actually fit together well. Um, and I don't think you can have a surplus of young talent. So I'm going to try and do whatever I can to re-sign Colin Sexton. I think yeah. he needs to remain on The only on problem this is that it, it is a very small backcourt. It is. Very, very small. It is. It is. But they make up for that size with the front well, court, yeah, right? that's which true. is absolutely <laughs> ridiculously true. big. Uh, so I'm going to try and re-sign Colin Sexton. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing with Kevin Love. You know, this is the last year of his deal. Uh, the dude's been incredible for Cleveland. Never says anything. He's never in the news for anything bad. Uh, you know, he's the last guy here from the LeBron James era. Won, you know, a ring with them. So I'm interested to see what they do with him. But honestly, if I'm the Cavaliers, I'm re-signing Colin Sexton this offseason, and I'm doing, like, nothing else. <laughs> wow. I'm, I mean, I'm going to fill in the roster in the spots that I can, but I absolutely love the young core on this team. I think they're going to develop uh, this year even more. They're going to get better. They're going to play better together. I expect them to be in the playoffs next season so if with you, absolutely no moves. My question for you is, if you re-sign Colin Sexton, who's your starting five on this team? Because somebody's odd man out there whether it's Levert or Markinen. um it's it's probably going to be Markinen. um I, I think I'm going to rock with Garland Sexton and then it's either going to be Laverto or Coro Mobley and Allen wow that yeah. would be quite the reserve team especially if you started a Coro you could have Rondo Levert Markinen. Off yep. the bench, that's a pretty good start. That's what ESPN has their pretty depth chart start. listed as right now. It, it's it's a great it's a great squad, a great young it's squad. A lot, a lot of money coming off the bench too. It'll be interesting uh, what they're going to do, and yeah, Kevin loves on that bench squad too. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they do have to start paying these guys. Um, but a guy like Jared Allen, dude, he's making twenty million dollars for the next. Right. four years which is incredible that's a great deal for the cleveland cavaliers uh so i i'm not doing too much with this roster yeah i I'm absolutely not love it. with it very much either because i think they're in a really really good spot um i yeah I, I do think you need to commit one way or the other to a two guard whether it's going to be sexton or Levert. yeah yeah i think that's definitely an important thing to note if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Calvin and I will be covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and many other teams in the NBA throughout this offseason. Also, if you have any thoughts on what we said here, let us know down below in the comments. We would absolutely love to hear from you.
All right, so let's see here. Um, Progressive G says, I agree with Calvin. I think they have a bright future. If they can manage the roster well, they could use an upgrade at the small forward. I mean, they have all the guys that can play small forward. They just need them yeah, to get better. Yeah, they do have a lot of wins. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I'd want to upgrade that position or if I just want to wait till these guys upgrade themselves, right? Like, they just need more time. They're so young. Yeah, yeah. A and, I mean, there's – I don't think there's anything wrong with having – um, you know, if you your roster is built of guys, look, Darius Garland just made an all-star team. Karis LeVert has scored 50 points in a game in this league. Yep. Um, Jared Allen is a really, really solid center. Having a guy in there like an Isaac Okoro who you're not going to rely on for 20 points a game but could potentially spend all, most of his energy defending the other team's best player, that's invaluable yeah. on a, a really good defensive team. So, uh, you know... He's also really young, too. He's got room to grow. I, so there's – if you're talking about, like, what ways can the Cavs win a championship in the next couple of years, then, yes, you want to bring in, um, you know, yeah. LeBron James to play a small <laughs> forward. But He might be uh, willing I, to. He, maybe he will. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I really do like this roster. I think it's a, they're in a really good position. Yeah. It's funny, you know, we've seen Cleveland do this twice now. Both times when LeBron left, they've uh, assembled a roster of young talent. The first time, they gave up a ton of that when they brought LeBron back to win now. So it's impressive that they've been able to do it again. Uh, I really like this roster a lot. Yeah, And Kevin Love, uh, even though he is old and he, he is making a lot of money or older and is making a lot of money, um, I still would probably keep him for next season because yeah. of it, the, his ability to space the floor. Like, yep. And veteran this leadership. team's got some, some really good shooters, but from top to bottom, they don't have a, a ton of, uh, you know, marksmen out there. So that is definitely something that he can add to this team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Progressive G says he likes their bench. Smart move to keep Kevin Love. And uh, he likes Garland, Sexton, Levert, Mobley, and Allen. I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing with that. I think that's great. Steven's got a couple questions real quick before we move on to the Atlanta Hawks, the only team that made the playoffs this season that we will be rebuilding. What are your guys' thoughts on the finals? Do you feel like it was lackluster or entertaining? Also, what do you guys think about the refs officiating in the finals? Uh, well, I've been entertained, that's for sure. I like defense. So, you know, just because there's not a ton of points scored in a game, I still find it fun to watch because these two teams are really really good defensive teams um and then you know you've had Steph Curry go on his little mini explosions here and there um you know it's a battle of the king of the mountain versus the I mean it's not really like a David and Goliath thing I wouldn't say but it it kind of has that narrative a little bit to it as well so I think it's been entertaining even though both none of the games have been decided by less than 10 points there's been so many point swings yeah you know and huge outbursts of quarters you you feel like one team has the complete control of the game and then just like that it's gone so there's still been a lot of excitement i would say in the finals and in, in terms of the officiating this is kind of something we talked about was it just yesterday or two days ago mm -hmm. refs miss calls and when it's the biggest stage and there's only two teams left playing they get amplified 
but they miss calls in every game, whether it's an exhibition or not, or, or an NBA Finals game. So I, I feel like... Refs are people too. They, could they be better? Yes, they could. But overall, I don't think that it's been that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, refs are humans. They make mistakes. Just look at the last game. You're talking about Steph Curry, who's the best three-point shooter of all time. He couldn't hit a single three in that game. So even professionals have a hard time doing what they're meant to do sometimes. Referees are professionals. They do their best out there, but they miss calls. It, it just happens. It's part of the game. Um, my thoughts on the finals is it's been entertaining. It's, you know, the, the young versus the old, the experience versus the inexperience. It's got a chance to go seven games. What more could you ask for than that? I mean, in the past few years, we've seen, uh, you know, four or five game final series. Um, so it is exciting. However, like Calvin said, I would like to see some of these games end with a buzzer beater, last second shot. I like games to be a little bit closer at the end. But we got one, potentially two more games left. So uh, I'm waiting for some more excitement. I'm definitely not disappointed in the NBA final so far. Yeah, uh, the Draymond Green effect um, I think that there's a fair point to that when you're talking about officiating. I mean, I, I have gone back and watched some of the games, and and Draymond really does – like he probably should have been called for three or four flagrant fouls already in oh, this series. Oh, at least. So th- there is that part of it, and I understand why, especially if you're a Celtics fan, you're feeling n- not good. Yeah. Not only is your team down 3-2, but you're you're watching this guy at in some plays literally tackle your team and he's not getting called for anything. Yep. That's the only part of the officiating that I would really say uh should have changed or should be better. For such a good player, Draymond Green plays out of control so much. He really does. And it, it's amazing because sometimes there's a big difference between control. playing hard and playing yeah. out of control. Yeah. <laughs> big, big difference. And he's been playing out of control. Did you see the, I was watching a highlight this morning of that play where he's like jumps or rolls on the ground, grabs the ball, saves yeah. it, throws it, then runs back down the court and just clobbers. And just somebody. runs right over. Yeah. yeah. I forget who that was, but he just ran him completely over. Yeah. And he's done that a couple times in this series. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing I would say. You could probably have hit him for multiple flagrant fouls already in, in this finals. And if the Warriors win, you know, a lot of people will point to that and say that that the the Warriors got away with one. And, and I don't agree with that at all. But He's fouled out in two games. He has. He almost picked up a second technical in the third game. Yep. So he's almost missed three out of the five games or at least the ending of those games so yeah. far yeah which is incredible that the warriors are s- still have a three three two lead wow wow we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh after we finish up this rebuild so let's talk about uh the hawks here and then we will jump into thursday's preview and uh talk a little bit more <clears throat> before we answer questions and all that fun stuff as well all right calvin you ready here oh i'm ready all right, let's do it. All right, let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks and how we can help them get back to the NBA playoffs, how we can help them get back to the Eastern Conference Finals next season. Unfortunately, they finished the year 43-39, and 39, which is disappointing for Atlanta fans. I expected them to do much better. However, they did make the playoffs, 
uh, before getting eliminated in the first round here. Um, let's take a look at the roster and see what we can do to help improve the team. According to ESPN, the starting lineup is Trey Young, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella. Capella's been dealing with a ton of injuries, but I don't think uh, we can expect that to happen next year. So I think he'll go into next season pretty strong. According to the salary cap here, John Collins is the highest paid player on this team. He's locked up for four more years, $23.5 million next season. Danilo Gallinari has one year left. It's a partially guaranteed $21 million. Bogdan Bogdanovich, who just completed successful surgery and is recovering and expected to uh, be back in full next season, has two more years left on his deal. Clint Capella's got three more years. DeLon Wright is expiring. Trey Young goes into the first year of his huge contract extension, so he's got five years left. DeAndre Hunter is entering in the last year of his rookie contract. Uh, Okongwu is entering in the last two years of his rookie deal. And then you have some expiring contracts like Kevin Knox, who is restricted. Lou Williams, not restricted. Uh, Gorgie Dang. And then Kevin Herter is entering in the first year of his four-year extension. So, Calvin, what can this Hawks team do to improve this offseason? Well, again, this is a team with a lot of good young players. They shoot the lights out of the ball. They're a great three-point shooting team. Capella and Trey Young work really, really well together as a point guard-center combo. They need to be better defensively. That is the number one thing that, that makes them a legit contender in the Eastern Conference. So as much as I like Clint Capella and his fit on this team, I did see a potential deal, a sign-and-trade with the Phoenix Suns for DeAndre Ayton and Clint Capella. I think that this that's a great deal for both teams. In my opinion, it's one of the best returns I can get if I'm Phoenix that keeps me in the win-now mode by getting a guy like Capella to replace DeAndre Ayton and Aiton now fits the uh, you know the window here with Trey Young. That could be your your point guard center superstar combo for the next ten years. Interesting. So I like that deal a lot. I would definitely explore that if I was Atlanta. Next thing I would do is I would try to move on from John Collins. I just don't think that he has he's got a lot of room to get better. Um, but I feel like he's already been rumored to be not exactly happy with his role on this team uh, or you know there were a lot of rumors I think around the trade deadline of him wanting out of Atlanta so I, I would move on from him and I would try to bring in a guy who is a really really solid defender and Malcolm Brogdon is another guy that I'm looking at for this team that I think could be a great guy to have in the backcourt with Trey Young mm -hmm. really solid defender good outside shooter I mean everybody's enamored with Bogdan Bogdanovich right now and, and how he, well he's played. Bogdanovich is a career 38% three-point shooter. Brogdon is just underneath that. It's like 37.6% for his career and a much better defender. He's also a guy that you can have handle the ball uh, for Trey Young. When he We saw in the playoffs against the Miami Heat, they just completely took Trey Young out of the game because they had bigger defenders yep. that they were able to switch on him get physical with him. I mean, it's basically the same idea that you think about when trying to defend Steph Curry, right? 
But Curry has put on some muscle over his career. He's gotten much, much better at dealing with that sort of stuff. Trey Young hasn't gotten to that point yet, um, at least not consistently enough. So I think if you have another guy who can share the point guard responsibilities, maybe not full-time, but a guy who's capable of handling, handling the ball and running an offense in moments like that, you know, then you, you give Trey Young an opportunity to be Steph Curry, right, or to become that because now he's going to learn how to play without the ball in those situations. So I think if you can work a deal for uh, a guy like DeAndre Ayton, I love DeAndre Hunter. I think that he, if he can stay healthy, he is the, the exact prototypical type player mm-hmm. for the NBA right now, a 3 and D, a floor spacer. You've still got those other three-point shooters around you. Um, and then the other question mark I have is is Danilo Gallinari. As much as, as good of a player as he's been over his career, it's kind of the same thing for me with Gordon Hayward and the Hornets. He's 33 years old now. He makes over $20 million. Yep. Is that is the production going to match uh, you know, the, the amount of money that you're paying him? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I find that Aiton deal quite interesting. I, I think something like that could could benefit both teams for sure. I, I definitely think it it could. Uh, as far as John Collins goes, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Like he has had a lot of productive seasons for the Hawks. They've paid him. He just made twenty three million dollars last year. They've made the playoffs. Now you have four more years left at twenty three, twenty five, twenty six. And almost $27 million. I have no idea why this guy's not happy in Atlanta. But if I'm the GM, I think that's my first move, is I'm trying to figure out what's going on with John Collins. Does he want to be here or does he not want to be here? I would love to have John Collins on this team. I think he fits this team well. It's just a mental thing that we need to figure out, whether he's on board. I'd be totally happy to come back next season with John Collins and Clint Capella on this roster if I could, and if they would be happy on this team. Uh, I think the major needs that this team really has is they need more 3 and D players, especially wings, and they need a backup point guard. We've seen when Trey Young goes out, this team, the offense can get quite stagnant. Uh, You do have a guy in DeLon Wright who is expiring, and Bogdan Bogdanovich has shown some playmaking ability as well. But when I look at this roster, I agree with you. Danilo Gallinari, what is going on with him? He's 33 years old. This this final year is partially guaranteed, so you could potentially just cut him, maybe have $10 million count towards your salary cap, and he is completely gone, or maybe you can you know trade him and salvage some value. But I would love to have Trey Young, uh, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella back. I just need to figure out who that two is going to be. Kevin Herter has played well, but I'm still not really sold on him. I think he's great on the offensive end of the ball, not always there defensively. Uh, I look at Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich as very similar players. I think you have too many of these guys on this roster. I think you need to get rid of one of them, bring in a starting quality shooting guard that can play uh, off the ball extremely well and can also defend extremely well and help make up for some of uh, what Trey Young can't do on the defensive end of the floor. I think you have either Bogdan or Herter be your sixth man and your first guy off the bench. And then I think you need to bring in a Rajon Rondo or a veteran starting quality point guard to come off the bench behind Trey Young. Yeah. 
I like Jalen Johnson a lot too. Uh, he's a really intriguing player to me. Um, uh, another guy that's got great size, great athleticism, really, really high potential, and is very young. He's only 20 years old. He didn't really get a lot of run with the Hawks last year. Um, so that that's another area where I would be okay with trading John Collins as long as I'm getting back something you know that I feel benefits the team, especially from a defensive standpoint. But that'll, that will free up maybe some minutes for me to give Jalen Johnson an opportunity and see what this kid's got. Because if he reaches his potential, uh, that's, you know, a, a huge steal for Atlanta where they got him in the draft. I think he was like 21 overall or something like that. Speaking of the draft, the Hawks have the 16th pick in this year's NBA draft. Anybody you'd like them to target with that pick? I, I would just go with a solid like you mentioned, a, a wing or a front court player that's a defensive-minded guy. Um, you, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I'm going to throw Pat Baldwin Jr. out there. Pat Baldwin Jr. is a good name. I like that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you're going to find anybody at pick 16 that really is going to crack the starting lineup for you right away. And the yeah. Hawks have been rumored to be another team that's trying to move up as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe there's something where you, you package – the 16th pick and John Collins, you know, to move up into the top 10 or something like that. But it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Atlanta Hawks. They could come back with almost the same exact team as last year, or it can be a completely new team. Uh, they definitely have some guys to build around, especially Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter. So it'll be interesting to see what they do here. If you are a Hawks fan, make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Calvin and I will be covering the Atlanta Hawks and many other teams in the NBA throughout this offseason. If you have any ideas or any thoughts on what we just said, let us know down below in the comments. We would uh, greatly appreciate it. All right, Matthew says, as a member of Team Tank, I just want to remind everyone that if we tanked as much as OKC and everything else stayed the same, we'd have jumped to two. I think he's referring to the Kings here. I don't know what to tell you, Matthew. <laughs> um, there's so many things in the past that, of course, I would like to change, but I just can't change them. So I, I just move on and go forward. I'm happy with pick four. I really am. DeAndre Hunter is the most intriguing guy on this roster. Uh, I don't know I, I if that. he's more intriguing than Trey Young, but I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. You think he Absolutely. could be available this offseason, or, or is he on the no-trade list? If I was the GM of the Hawks, I would not be looking to deal him. Yeah. But. Yeah, I like I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. He averaged 13.4 points per game last season, three and, and trading rebounds. Cam Reddish at the deadline last year for the Hawks really signals to me that they're all in on DeAndre yep. Hunter. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um they picked up Kevin Knox in that trade, right? They He's did. a restricted free agent. What do you think they'll do with him? Cuz he played exceptionally well as a rookie and then the hype kind of like I, I've never fade. really been high on Kevin Knox, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I, I just don't I, – I don't see him ever – he was a top 10 pick, right? He was like eight or nine, I think. Yeah, I think he was earlier than that. I think he was like seven or something. 
either way, I'm not sure he's ever going to live up to that that expectation. I could see him becoming a a pretty decent role player. Pick nine. For for a good team. Um, But I'm not so sold on him being a top ten talent. Yeah, I, I just had this vision of him into turning into this incredible defensive player under Coach Tibbs and just yeah. be able to lock people down. He just hasn't really become hasn't. that guy. And Nate McMillan is another guy that's, you know, a defense-first-minded type guy or, or type coach. So um, it, it still could be a good situation for him to be in. But, again, you know, if you keep if you bring back John Collins um, – your front court's already pretty set. Like, I don't know how many minutes are going to be available for Kevin Knox. That's true. That's very true. Ivan says, go Boston. Even if I hate Bill Simmons, I want the Celtics to win. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Calvin, let's talk about, uh, you know, Thursday's preview. As I mentioned in the opener, if you guys weren't watching then, Calvin and I will not be live tomorrow afternoon at the same time we are now. We will be live post-game. So it'll probably be around 8.30 or 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, closer to midnight if you're on the East Coast. We're going to wait for that game to finish up, and we are going to do a post game. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk all about Game 6, and maybe we'll be celebrating a Golden State Warriors championship. It's possible. Or an exciting Game 7. We'll be celebrating Game 7, yes. I know you got your uh, Warriors jersey behind you. They can't see it, but all our walls are green, so we're going for both teams here. <laughs> but, uh, Calvin, let's talk about Thursday's game real quick before we open it up um, to Q&A. So if you guys have questions, go ahead and drop them here in the chat while Calvin and I are discussing the game. Um, but, Calvin, keys to the game for both teams tomorrow. Well, again, I think both teams at this point are are trying to keep it simple here um for boston it's obvious they've got to figure out a way to execute better offensively they can't be turning the ball over um marcus smart to me is is the key for this game you know i I know you uh, i have talked a lot about al horford and he needs to be effective they've got to find ways to get it can't just be jason tatum and jalen brown going one-on-one the whole game that's Mm -hmm. not going to work They've turned the ball over a lot, and they've placed a lot of responsibility uh, in terms of running the offense and making things happen in Jason Tatum's hands. Obviously, he's their best player. Uh, I think he's their best one-on-one player, can create his own shot from anywhere, so they want the ball in his hands. But Marcus Smart is the one guy on this team that can take some of that pressure off of him. I think it was his first game back, in the Eastern Conference Finals after his uh, sprained ankle. I forget, it was game three maybe at home. He had like 12 assists mm-hmm. in that game. That's the Marcus Smart that they need in this game. Yes, they need him to hit some outside shots as well. Um, they're going to need the whole team really to do that because the interior defense has been so good for Golden State. But for them, it's all about executing well offensively and taking care of the ball. So that's why I look to Marcus Smart really as an important piece for Boston in this game. And then they're going to have to get some bench production. Yep. Like they really, really desperately need that, whether it's Derek White or Peyton Pritchard or somebody else. They, their bench is not nearly as deep as Golden State's is, and, and they desperately need somebody to come up with. They don't have to have a huge game. They don't have to have 20 points. But Grant Williams is another one of those guys. If they can hit, you know, three to four threes or something like that, 
that's going to open things up big time for them. Uh, and for the Warriors, they just have to keep this momentum keep rolling. Doing they, what you're doing. Got, uh, the Warriors are playing with house money at this point, in my opinion. Andrew Wiggins is really on fire at this point. Uh, Steph Curry's coming off the worst playoff game that he maybe has ever had. I expect him to come in, you know, with a vengeance and uh, and ready to uh, to perform at a high high level here. And then uh, winning the rebound battle and the points in the paint battle that that's Warriors basketball right there. They crash the glass. Yeah, if they can secure some offensive rebounds, kick it out to Clay Thompson for a couple threes, a game six Clay performance. Um, that's that's what it's going to take for them to win this game and the series. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but yeah, I mean, Golden State's got to continue to do what they're doing. Uh, I think the most important thing for them out of Game Six is they need to make sure Draymond Green's available if there is a Game Seven, right? Like, <laughs> yes, if I'm that, Coach that Kerr. Like, Draymond's on a really, really tight leash in game six. If he starts to get uh, out of control or anything like that, I'm going to do whatever I can to reel him back in. Because if you lose game six in Boston and you're going back home for game seven and Draymond Green is not available for you, that could be the momentum boost that Boston needs to win the series. And then if I'm Boston... I just need to score some effing points, man. Like, really, that is what you need to do. You need to score, and as Calvin mentioned, you need to stop with the turnovers. The turnovers are just incredible. They're they're showing their inexperience. I don't know what the stat is. I, I read a stat on Jason Tatum and the amount of turnovers he's had this postseason. 95 turnovers in 23 games. It's absolutely it's over four a game. incredible, like, in a bad way. <laughs> it's incredibly bad. So if I'm Boston, I need to score at least 100 points in this game, probably 105, 110 to win this game. Um, it is at home. They're favored by four. So, you know, Boston definitely has a chance here. I don't want anybody writing them off already. Um, but, yeah, they need to limit the turnovers, and they need to get some baskets. They need to get some easy baskets too because in a lot of these games, especially late in – I mean, I'm just going to circle that third quarter again where Boston gets in this, like, I need to score, I need to score, I need to score, and they're in these droughts, and they're taking contested shots, they're taking tough shots, they're not getting anything easy going to the basket. Um, so Boston needs to take what the defense gives them early on, and they just need to get some easy buckets. And hopefully that will help them start making some threes because that's the key to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Who you got winning game six, Cal? Uh, man. I, 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 want, I should pick Boston because I picked them to win the series in seven games. So that prediction is still uh, out there for me. Um, but I, I'm worried about the Celtics. I, I think after the last two games, um, you know, over the, the mental aspect of a long grueling series like this that where it's tough to score uh you're a young team you haven't been in the finals before you're going up against the warriors mm -hmm. that i think that stuff means a lot yeah and and i love the position from uh, obviously the, the warriors are ahead in the series but the the mental position that they should be ahead in too uh, over the celtics it, it's desperation time yes for boston but i, I am worried with what I 
think Steph Curry is going to do tomorrow. It is game six, so Clay Thompson should probably have a good game as well. And Andrew Wiggins, to me, has been so, so good for them offensively and defensively. He's really, really put the clamps on Jason Tatum at times in this series. And if you can take the other team's best player out of it for even, you know, two or three possessions in a half or something like that, that gives you such an advantage. So my, I want the Celtics to win just because I want my prediction still there, but my heart tells me that this series is over. Okay. This is a very tough question for me, uh, and that's just based on the last game. I can't believe the Celtics lost that game and Steph Curry didn't make a single three, shot it uh, horrible, did not play well, and Boston still loses that game. But, you know, I'm going to pick Boston to win this game. They're at home. They're the favorites. Uh, I'm just looking back here at, at this postseason for them. Like, we talk about how young and inexperienced this team is. They've made the Eastern Conference Finals before with the majority of the same players on this roster. You sweep Brooklyn in the first round here with with KD and Kyrie. Then you go seven with the returning champs, the Bucks. Then you go seven against the team with the best record in, in the yeah. East in Miami. Yeah, yeah. Like this team, they could be tired or they could just be like they've weathered so many storms that maybe they're right where they want to be. Yeah. They have a home game to force a game seven in the NBA finals. What more could you really ask for, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to pick the Boston Celtics to win game six. I'm not picking a winner of game seven yet, but I would love to see a game seven here in the NBA finals. Yeah. The, the only thing I will say, and before I say this, I, I don't want to take anything away from Boston. They've had an amazing run here, and they've beaten some really, really good teams. Um, but Brooklyn, uh, we all know how, what problems Brooklyn had. They weren't healthy all year. The Kyrie Irving thing was a big issue for them. Um, so that's why they fell short. I think you can argue that the series would have been much different in with Milwaukee if Chris Middleton played. Definitely. And Miami was one shot away from winning with basically their entire team being on the injured list. Mm -hmm. So yes, Boston has fought through these tough series, but now they're in a position where they're finally getting a team's best, best effort and they're at full strength. Yep. And that might be the difference here. Yeah, it could very well be. It could very well be. <laughs> Matthew says, my question is where did you guys go? And all my internet tabs, I can hear you, but I can't find the video. <laughs> Well, you're commenting. Sounds like you need to close some tabs. You're commenting in the chat, so you should be able to find the video. Were you able to find us, Matthew? I'm, I'm curious. Progressive G says, I think Tatum has to put up 30-plus, and they got to have fewer than 13 turnovers. Uh, I think that's a good take. Celtics also need to attack the paint and make free throws, all capitals. Make free throws. I forgot to mention that that is a huge key to the game for both teams is they need to make free throws because both of these teams have missed a ton of free throws, which for the Warriors is very yeah, out of character. Um, but the Celtics, it's just youth for them and inexperience. No matter if they win or lose this year, this series and this year in the playoffs is going to do wonders for this Boston Celtics team. Oh, yeah. You can only win so many 50-50 coin flips. I mean, how many can you win? 
Unlimited, right? If it's a 50-50 coin flip. Unlimited if you keep flipping. <laughs> if you keep <laughs> flipping. Yes, eventually close like 25 tabs, computer dying. Okay, that's well, good timing, Matthew, because we're just about to end it here. You guys have any more questions for us before we before we take off? Also want to remind you guys um, about tomorrow. We will be post-game again. I'm not sure exactly when we're going to be doing our next live on Royal Rebounds, but it will be soon. Uh, and then we will be live next week, Thursday, for the NBA draft, and that will be on, on Royal Rebounds. I think we'll do a live on here maybe before and then go right into Royal Rebounds. So last chance at questions. Calvin, any last thoughts about anything that we talked about today? Uh, any of these rebuilds or anything like that or, or the Celtics Warriors series? Um, I, I think I've said my piece for the most part here. I got a Until question. tomorrow. I got a good question for you. So we talked about the Knicks, the Hornets, the Cavs, the Hawks, right? <clears throat> If you were to pick one out of these four teams that's going to win the title first, who would it be? Cleveland. Okay, that was quick. I know you're a big fan of the Cavs roster. I am as well. They're the only team out of those four teams that plays defense, and you got to play defense to win a championship. So. Okay, interesting, interesting. And they're young. Uh, they've got all-stars yeah. now. Uh, I think they're really well put together. They're, they've they've – they're on the right track in Cleveland. Progressive G says, speaking of the Cavs, what do you guys think about Chetty or Seti Osman? He's been on the team forever and shown signs of potential when he gets minutes, but he seems content to stay on the Cavs on the bench. Yeah, I'm very mixed. I know LeBron was a huge fan, and I think he played with LeBron during just LeBron's final year with Cleveland. But uh, I've seen positives. I've seen negatives. I'm kind of middle ground on him. What do you think about Osmond? Personally, I think he's very close to or has already reached his ceiling. Like, I, I don't – I'm really not sure I see him becoming that much better. He's a good outside shooter little streaky at times, but a good outside shooter, pretty athletic, um, you know, has the potential to, to be a, a solid defender, but is never really like a lockdown guy. Um, he's played on a lot of really good teams. He's had the opportunity to play, to see a ton of NBA finals games, playoff games, things like that. And yeah, he just hasn't really taken the next step. And, and you can argue that he hasn't been given the opportunity in terms of minutes. Um, but he has played more over the last couple of years, and I still don't see that much growth from him. So, you know, everybody, every team needs a good shooter. So he, there's always going to be a roster spot for him out there. But, uh, again, I, I just feel like he's, he's not going to get that much better as a player overall. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think he's a starter. I think he's a productive bench player that could have moments in a big game, but he's not going to be the one that takes you there. Did you guys talk about Mo Bamba on the Kings? We talked about him a little bit, but we, we can discuss him a little bit more. Calvin, um, I know you like the fit between Mo Bamba and Sabonis. I do. I, I don't like it as much as some other guys. Like I'd much rather them move up to two and get Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith over Mo Bamba. But – it, it could work um, based on 
the fact that Mo Bamba can actually shoot from the outside. That, like that really surprised me to, to see how much better and more efficient of a, a three point shooter he's become. And, uh, but I, I worry a little bit about, you know, neither Bamba's a good rim protector, but neither him or Sabonis are good defenders on the perimeter. So it, it seems a little too easy for, for other teams in the, this new age of small ball to spread the Kings out too much and, and just basically have a free for all on attacking the paint or kicking it out to a wide open corner three with that, those two in there. Yeah, my biggest concern with, with Mo is health. Uh, this is the first year he's played over 70 games, and this is his fourth year in the NBA. Dealt with a ton of injuries. I do like the defense. I do like the shooting. I know there was concerns about him playing too many video games uh, early on, saying that he doesn't really focus on basketball and he just games all the time. I don't really know about that. But um, I would be open to somebody like Mo. It just depends on what the cost is for yeah. me. Yeah. But – on Calvin's point, I would prefer to move up to two and take Homgren or Smith. I, I really would. I, I love Smith a lot. I really do like him. You can't play too many video games. Yeah, very true. If if you're in our position, maybe not if you're an NBA player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. We want to thank you all so much for taking the time out of your day to hang out with us. We greatly appreciate it. Please hit that like button. Please hit the subscribe button. We will see you all tomorrow post-game, so make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Thank you guys so much for watching, and enjoy your Wednesday, and don't forget to tip your bartender.